This is Kona Bible Church. Thanks for listening. We pray that you will experience God's blessing as you consider Pastor Brian's latest message from his series, Embrace Submission with Wisdom, from the book of 2 Corinthians. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Now, because we are fellow workers, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says... I heard you at the acceptable time, and in the day of salvation I helped you. Look, now is the acceptable time. Look, now is the day of salvation. We do not give anyone an occasion for taking an offense in anything, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as God's servants, we have commended ourselves in every way, with great endurance, in persecutions, in difficulties, in distresses in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in troubles, in sleepless nights, in hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by benevolence, by the Holy Spirit, by genuine love, by truthful teaching, by the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness both for the right hand and for the left, through glory and dishonor, through slander and praise, regarded as impostors and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and yet see, we continue to live, as those who are scourged and, not yet ex- and yet not executed, as sorrowful but always rejoicing, as poor but making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, Our heart has been opened wide to you. Our affection for you is not restricted, but you are restricted in your affections for us. Now as a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts to us also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you may be seated. Well, we continue on in this uh, series of Paul's letters that we're kind of uh, recognizing is a love summons. The creator of the universe has the opportunity and the, and the authority to call you together as the people of God in Jesus' name, and uh, he does so in love. What a beautiful thought. I, I th- sometimes think we could just stop right there and think about in love, and yet he's calling us to maturity because it's not a natural uh, disposition for us to do some of the things that, that lead to life. In fact, we need to come together and hear this proclamation of the gospel. And that gospel, we can boil all the way down to uh, just a simple invitation by Christ so that you can uh, receive eternal forgiveness and eternal life. But it goes beyond that because Jesus wants us to experience abundant life as well. And so what, do we, what, do we, what are some of the natural things that we are doing that don't lead to life in this life that we could be called to maturity? Well, we saw in 1 Corinthians this idea of division, that we actually, uh, our natural proclivity is to divide among us, and we divide on a whole host of different uh, attributes, race, gender, age, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's very natural for us to divide. And so, 1 Corinthians, uh, we, God, the creator of the universe, he called us to assemble together to proclaim this good news that we should embrace unity. 
Think about the life that comes uh, when we, we're not embracing uniformity, right? He's not asking us for us to all look alike or be the same. No, he's asking us, even in our differences, embrace being together, the value of being together. Second Corinthians has been this idea of submission with wisdom. He's, the natural proclivity is either to stand apart and say that we are independent, or unfortunately, the other natural proclivity is to submit to uh, authorities that are not healthy, that don't bring us life. And so here, Paul is coming back and he's addressing both poles of that, that, that corruption, and, and God is appealing to us. Embrace this idea of submission with wisdom. And so that's where we are here in 2 Corinthians. We, we started 2 Corinthians, oddly, in chapter 10, and we did 10 through 13 all in one week, and it really set the context for this book because Paul was kind of going through this whole idea of, of going, well, I need you to understand who I am to you. I was the one who pronounced the gospel to you, and you received the gospel as a, on the basis of my proclamation. And, and so in some senses, I, I've earned the right to be your spiritual authority, your father. And yet, uh, as we know, teenagers can be a little bit difficult at times, right? Think about your own teenage years and your engagement with your parents. And then think about maybe the teenagers that you know in your life as an adult, well, that's kind of what the Corinthians are. They're a little bit not wanting to submit to the authority that Paul has and, and to hear the proclamation of this truth. No, they're still kind of in their corrupted sense, and, and, and think this is how we are a little bit as, as people. In our natural tendency, we think we can do it. We got it. It's okay. I don't need help. But the reality is Paul is coming to you. And yet, what's uh, in front of them right now, just like, again, and, and like I said last week, I think, I don't know if it was in this service or the next service, but we, we talked about it, and it was like, it's not just teenagers, I think it's adults too. We gravitate toward the flashy things in life, and we're like, ah, it's flashy, that must be good. We gravitate toward the people with power and presentation. Uh, we, th- we gravitate toward things that are glitzy and rich. And we think that somehow in those things that they have earned an authority in our lives. And Paul's coming back and saying, whoa, no, that's not true. See, in Paul's day, it was these super apostles that would come in and they'd be well-dressed and look nice. They they would have a certain presentational style and flair for the dramatic. And they would appeal on the basis of surface things, Not, not the condition of their heart. But on the condition of their outward appearance, they would appeal as to this Corinthian church as authorities. And these, these young uh, Corinthians, they, they were just gravitating and glomming on to these spiritual authorities. And in the end, though, they were bankrupting the church because these spiritual authorities were stealing from the people. And so Paul's coming back and he's saying, guys... Do you remember the example that I set for you? That should be the example of the spiritual authorities that you should submit to. You see what he's doing is he's he's allowing the Corinthian church to evaluate the spiritual authorities in their lives. And, And as you get the freedom to evaluate, what you really see is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that is the, the ministry that Paul has been given. Because, and 
We're gonna, we might have to start repeating this corporately. Where the Spirit is, there is... Well, that's good, but it's a little different. This is part of life. Where the Spirit is, there is freedom. All right, that's what we had been repeating the last couple of weeks. You're right, freedom is life, right? So when we see those things, we recognize that, oh, if I want to experience life, I really ought to have freedom to be able to pursue that life. So you're 100% right with that answer. But as we see what he's saying, he's saying you have the freedom to evaluate the spiritual authorities in your life and choose with wisdom who you should submit to. Boy, how does that sound to you? I mean, right there, we could just pause and we could reflect. We could, we, in fact, we could do this this week. If you want to show up for a, this is a spontaneous pastor's pick. Tuesday morning, I'm going to be here, 9 o'clock. You want to show up and discuss that your journey when it comes to the spiritual authorities in your life and whether or not you had freedom. Think about being a teenager in a spiritual house. Let's think about that for a second. Let's think about growing up in a spiritual house. Did you have the freedom to be able to choose the spiritual authorities that that were put over you? Oh, I think that's an interesting question. Because as we grow up in families, oftentimes that's determined by the parents. But there's a certain age at which point, what are we raising our children to do? Not to be independent, right? That's, that's the lie of our culture. We are raising our children to be interdependent. Meaning that, yes, we as parents, for a certain amount of their lives in different cultures, kind of look at it at different ages, 13 is sometimes one of those key ages where you start to see a designation of adulthood onto children, but interdependent, meaning that as they come out from underneath the dependent relationship that they have with God, that they are stepping into an interdependent relationship with God, which means what? You are also dependent on whom? If you are dependent on God, you are also dependent on his people, right? So, we are not, do not be very careful to perpetuate the lie of, create, of raising your children to be independent. That is not what we want. That might be an American goal, but it is not a Christian goal. The Christian goal would be, how do I raise my children to understand their interdependence? In fact, Paul talks about that in this very first point. One of the things that he says is this recognition of mutuality. What does he say here? See, I have all these weird ways of talking, but I'll describe it. I'll explain it. Now, because we are fellow workers, right, that's mutual, right? Even as an authority, even as a spiritual authority, what is he recognizing? He's saying, oh, no, we are all in this together. Yes, I might have a certain uh, designation as an apostle, as a teacher, as a preacher, but we are fellow workers together. So as we go through this idea of evaluating our spiritual authorities, we have this, this recognition of even in our own journey, we ought to at some point be recognizing that the young people need to be given the freedom to choose this, to be presented with this gospel and go, hey, you know what's given me a lot of life in my life? Is being part of an interdependent community of faith in a God who's able to raise the dead back to life 
through the forgiveness of sins offered in Jesus' name. Now, when I say it like that, there ought to be a chorus of amens right there. Because what that should have described is each of your experiences. And unfortunately, what I think is that to, for, for us, when we were younger growing up, it was much more, you will conform to my faith, my child. And then at a certain age, whether it was 13, 15, 18, 33, that child looked around and was like, conform to your faith? Uh, it doesn't seem to be bringing you much life. Why would I want to be a part of this? Right? How many people uh, in, this, in this setting right here have that story? Where they looked at the faith of the, of the parents and were like, I I'm not so sure that, that it's bringing you life. Why would I want to be a part of this? You see, the gospel is an invitation. We can never forget that. And sometimes as authorities, whether it's parental authorities or other authorities, pastoral or communal authorities, we tend to operate in conformity. Conform to what I want you to look like, as opposed to inviting people into a relationship of transformation. You see, that transformation doesn't take place by the authority. No, the transformation takes place by the Holy Spirit. And so we have this opportunity to step into and have the freedom to evaluate our spiritual authorities. Are they doing so in a way that gives you freedom? Uh, this question, are they embracing mutuality? You see, that's so key, because a spiritual authority is not somehow above, they are a part. And now that doesn't make sense to us in our corrupted sense of hierarchy in life, but remember, that's the corrupted sense. You see, when Adam took that bite of the fruit, uh, everything got blasted. And even those relationships that are designated with certain authorities, even those got corrupted. And so as we evaluate generations later of looking at these different hierarchies, we see the corruption for sure. But the reality is the gospel is an invitation to come back to even authorities that say, you're a part of things. And the reality is that if you're leading well, you're acting like a what? A servant. If you're leading well, you're actually submitting and being of service to one another. And isn't that the example that Jesus gave us? So when we talk about being like Christ, it's this invitation to going, oh, wait a minute, are the spiritual authorities in your life, are they embracing mutuality? Well, you don't have to call it that if you don't want to call it that. But there is this idea of, are they in it with me, or are they in it over me? And if it's over, guess what? You have the freedom to be able to evaluate whether or not you want to submit to that authority. Uh, on the other hand, if they're in it with you, oh, you have the freedom and invitation to join them in expanding the kingdom. This is uh, one of the things that you can evaluate. Another thing that he re references in here is, uh, has their experience of grace impacted others? I, I, we could probably spend some time just unpacking this phrase. We also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Well, that's an interesting phrase. 
right? We urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. You see, receiving the grace of God is not just something that you do, and then you're like, okay, well, I've done that now. He goes on, he says, I heard you at the time, uh, acceptable time, and in the day of salvation I helped you. Look, now, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. Again, it's not just for eternal salvation. It's for abundant life. So, so don't receive the grace of God and then just go walk out and go, well, I've checked that off for the week. No, receive it with what it is compelling you to do, and that is to transform your entire life. And so the, the, the question is, as you receive that grace, uh, has that reception of grace impacted others? Right? Do other people experience life when they're around you? Do they experience love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control when they are around you? That's one way that you will know that you have not received the grace of God in vain is in your relationships with others. That's what he's going on here to say in this. We do not give anyone an occasion for taking offense. Right, so we have these corrupted tongues that just lash out. Ask my kids, they'll, they'll rat me out. They'll be like, does he practice what he preaches? And if you catch them, they'll be like, not every day, not all the time. In fact, there are times when his corrupted tongue just lashes out, his impatience lashes out, right? His intolerance with our goofiness it just lashes out, right? No, what, what is Paul saying? He's coming back and saying, no, do not receive, Brian, the grace of God in vain. Allow it to come in and overcome the corruption of your tongue. Allow it to come in and overcome the corruption of your impatience. Allow it to bring you life so that it can bring us life. That's the intention. And Paul's going, he's going, this is what I've, st I've striven, striven, strived, strived? I've strived to do. I think striven is a word. Have striven. This is what I have striven to do. I'm going to have to check that one out. I trust you, but I still, I'm Thomas. I'm a bit like Thomas, a bit of a doubter. This is what his goal has been, is to allow the grace of God to overcome all the corruption in his life so that there's no reason in his engagements with people for anyone to take offense at him. In fact, as we think about the different ways we have been offended, we, we sit back and we go, are we going to respond tit for tat? Or are we going to actually try to find a third way, the Jesus way, to walk our way through these things? And Paul's always coming to that third way. Uh, that's the goal here, that, that we don't give anybody else a reason for offense. He's allowing the, the, the grace of God to invade his entire life. Now, we've talked about this for other authorities, but we've also always driven back home to, oh, but the reality is we are spiritual authorities together. We're fellow workers, as Paul says. So these questions aren't just for others, they're for us as well. Are, are we embracing mutuality? Are we, uh, have we experienced grace that has impacted others? Another question that we can ask of ourselves, are, are we transparent in our speech? Paul says this, uh, about this, he, he says we continue to live a life as those who are scourged yet not executed, 
goes on to say, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide to you. See, that's talking about transparency. Uh, Not being somebody who says one thing and does something else. You see, you'll get some transparency from me. I'll say one thing up here, and then I'll freely be transparent in front of you that I don't always achieve that. Right? There's this openness of who we are together. And you see, that's what comes back and, and recognizes that we are fellow workers, trying to embrace this grace of God, not in vain, but we're in it together. Uh, the spiritual authorities in, in your life, you have the freedom to evaluate them. Are they people who are transparent, or are they? do you get the sense that maybe they're trying to hide something, that they're trying to protect something in their life, that they don't really want something about themselves to be revealed? Well, that's natural. You don't have to teach that. You don't have Tuesday night at the Kaiser's household where you, you teach, okay, now kids, we're going to teach you how to hide uh, your, your, the things that you don't want other people to know about. No, Tuesday nights you have to teach them how to be transparent about those things. Because as painful as it is in the moment, it ultimately brings life when you allow the grace of God to flood in. Think about turning on a light switch and having all that darkness uh, just go away. That's what the grace of God has the power to be able to do. Are the spiritual authorities in your life, are they transparent? Are you with your friends, your family, your neighbors, and your coworkers? Are you someone who is able, uh, by your experience, to, to be able to point back to, here's how the grace of God has impacted my life? Final question they ask in, the, in this section is, are they warm-hearted? It's an interesting question. To think about your spiritual authorities in your life, and are they warm-hearted? Paul says this uh, 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 in relation to the Corinthian church. Our affection for you is not restricted. Oh, that's a nice thought. Can you think of any authority in your life where their affection for you is not restricted? What about policemen? What about judges? What about the principal at school? Right? When you think about, about some of those relationships that you've had authority, I doubt affection was ever one of the things that you thought about. Now, I would hope, but I am confident that this is not everybody's experience, but that when you think about your relationship with your parents, was there authority in my life? Was there a warm-hearted affection for me? You see, sometimes we don't get to choose the authorities that we have, but at other times we do, and we have that freedom. And Paul is coming back here and saying, look, you should choose authorities in your life that are warm-hearted, that have affection for you, because if that's the case, then when they deliver the bad news that you have a corrupted heart, guess what, that else, what else that means? That they're in it with you. That they're not just somehow pointing the finger and being distant. No, that they're coming and saying, hey, you may have a blind spot that's not bringing you the life that you thought you would have but I'm in it with you. And at the appropriate time, whenever you want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to overcome that corruption, uh, I'm here. And we're going to be in an interdependent relationship with one another to be able to do this. 
You see, that's the warm-hearted affection that Paul's talking about. And what does he say then about the Corinthian church? Now, as a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts to us also. Right? That there should be this mutuality backwards. It again speaks to the fellowship nature of the fact that the authorities that we're talking about are not somehow overlords, that we are in it with each other. You have the opportunity, the freedom in Christ, the freedom of the Holy Spirit to be able to evaluate the authorities in your life and embrace them with wisdom. We've been giving you tell after tell after tell, right? Fingers on the pulse as you evaluate the different spiritual authorities that are in your life. And then ultimately, we are hoping that you take that reflection outward and reflect it back inwards and invite the questions of yourself. Am I this type of person? Am I this type of person that has the right to be able to be in an interdependent relationship with others and point them toward life? So the tells not just for other people, the tells are also for you to take stock of your own life. And what I'm, what's likely to happen is that when we take that stock, that we'll feel this, this need, this desperation to run to the table because we are in great need of more and more grace. I know I need to run to the table. Do you want to run with me to the table this morning and receive the grace of God once again, God's life to others. Father, man, I mean, this is my prayer for me. This whole series is just a, a reflection that I've just been going through and going, are these even, can, can these things be said of me? I know I need to get to back to the table today, Father. Will you bless us with life as we nourish our souls and our spirits on, on the body and blood of Jesus? that we might be able to receive anew the forgiveness of sins that we have, the forgiveness of that corruption that just runs so deep that sometimes we're not even aware of it, and embrace this powerful proclamation of life that not only impacts us, but impacts one another as well. We be faithful to do the work in us again today. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.